Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Jess. And we're inviting you to a lady date, a place to connect, speak openly, and learn from each other's experiences. Today's podcast is actually a continuation of our conversation from episode four, Nobody Likes You When You're a Millennial, part one. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, go ahead and pause, go back and listen to that episode, and then come back and listen to this one. you cool cats and kittens. (laughs) Remember Tiger King? That was fun. (laughs) Good times. I still haven't watched it. Uh, Oh, you don't even... Do you even know the reference? No. I just thought you were being cool. (laughs) Like when you quote The Office and I think that... (laughs) It's just me. It's your humor. (laughs) You're so funny. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. (laughs) That is what happens. Okay, well I'll show you that clip. Um, for context in our own podcast. Um, <laughs> but, uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us for part two of No One Likes You When You're a Millennial. We talked in our last episode about what it's like to be a millennial in the workplace and kind of touched on our experiences in that realm. And we started to kind of tiptoe around what generalizations are made when the term millennial is used and how that usually has some kind of like ageist connotation. So we're going to deep dive into that a little bit more today and talk about ageism in the workplace. So to start that off, I want to read a quote from a an NPR article from 2017. And the article, it was pretty short, but it was saying that using terms like millennial to talk about generations can be a little bit dangerous. So you should be cautious about using them. And so the quote from that article is, I think we should be careful in how we use these labels because they tend to lend themselves to easy stereotypes. Generalizations that really don't tell you much about the people in those generations, but might actually reveal more about the writer who is slinging these labels around. So I think that this quote is really interesting for a couple of reasons, because like I said, we touched on how the term millennial can be used to make generalizations that aren't necessarily true, but I think it would also be interesting for us to dive a little bit into how it actually reflects on the person using them. So we're going to start by talking about the ageism experiences that we have seen and maybe feel in multiple levels in our work environment. I know, Jess, you have experience as a manager of people, so could you tell me a little bit about your experience with maybe ageism or even managing different generations? Totally. And, you know, for my situation, I do have a couple of direct reports who are both older than me. And I think for me personally, it has been more of a second guessing myself or being nervous that it might be seen as weird or something like that. But I fortunately in my current situation haven't had any pushback due to my age. I do often though when I go into interactions with other managers or with individuals who are more senior than me, I will kind of wonder about what their perception is because I have been able to work towards and get to the point that I'm at. I am in my organization, I believe the youngest 
individual with a manager title. So there's a sense of pride in that, and it's a really wonderful opportunity that I have been able to work my way to that point. And, you know, not to say that it hasn't happened with the help and support of others, but I've worked towards that and I've, I've earned that. And so being a manager of people who are older can, you know, fortunately my situation, those individuals aren't too much older. So I think they actually do qualify as millennials. Mm -hmm. When we were researching this and looking at what the age range was, I think we're all kind of lumped as millennials together, but it is that, that thought process that goes through my head as far as being a young manager, being early on in my management experience and being told that, you know, you still have a lot of uh, learning to do and growing to do in that role because I'm still so early on. And that sort of doubt that comes into my head of, well, is it because I'm early on in that and I'm not proving myself enough or because I'm too young or I'm being perceived as young? I mean, I've had multiple conversations recently with a wide variety of people who have all asked me, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? (laughs) In different contexts, too. Like, the reason why that question came up was so different each time. And that's so interesting to me because the way I take it and perceive that is I'm being viewed as such a young individual that where I'm at currently in my career could not possibly be the end all. And I think part of that is a reflection on maybe the drive that I bring or my personality and and all of that, but also that because I am seen as a young individual, where I'm at isn't possibly the end. Mm -hmm. There has to be somewhere more that I'm thinking of going and wanting to go into. Right. It's just, it's interesting. It's an interesting question to have posed to you. And there were a lot of thoughts that crossed my mind that were like, oh yeah, this, I I should be thinking ahead. What do I want for myself? What is next? Because I still have so much of my career ahead of me, but Mm -hmm. it's also fascinating to kind of think about how we are showing up in other people's eyes, like how people are perceiving us. Totally. I mean, it was our icebreaker in our last episode, (laughs) right? To say like when we were kids, because usually that's when you're asked that question is when you're a kid. What do you want to be when you grow up? So it's both a reflection of, yeah, the person asking maybe sees you as young or sees them if they're in the same boat, they see themselves as pretty far away from their end goal. But it also is correlating being grown up with your end goal. So when are we grown up exactly? (laughs) Right. Is there an end? Is it when we retire? Do you ever feel like you're grown up? Because, like, I always thought 30-year-olds pretty much had it all together. But I guess not. (laughs) No, now that I'm here. Right. I don't think I have it all together. (laughs) (laughs) No. And I think that a lot of... I wonder how imposter syndrome kind of ties into that, too. Totally. Like, do we just feel young and inadequate our entire lives because of that imposter syndrome? If we're always reaching to do something we haven't done before or are presenting something we have done before to someone we don't know, do we always second guess ourselves and that makes us feel like we're not quite grown up? I think so. It makes us 
feel a little bit small and by no means because those people are making us feel small, but more like situationally we're feeling a little bit small or inexperienced. And we associate a lot of that inexperience with being young. Yeah. Right. Like, Oh, well they just haven't tried that yet. Cause they haven't had enough time to live through trying that. We look at little kids as they're inexperienced in how to handle their feelings and emotions and how to do whatever task it is. And then as they grow up, we expect for them to have more experiences to then be better equipped on how to handle that situation. It's fascinating. Yeah. I think we consistently trick ourselves into thinking people older than us know what they're doing more than we do. Absolutely. <laughs> and that may, maybe is never the case, actually. Right. Or that they're looking at us and thinking, oh, this person is so young. They don't know what they're doing. But in reality... I can only count on my hand, maybe like one hand, maybe two hands of times where I've really been made to feel small by somebody. But with where I'm at currently in, you know, being one of the younger managers within my organization, I haven't had anybody make me feel small or inadequate or like, you know, have a direct report be like... You're not my mom or right. something like, like I don't know. You're not my real like mom. That. Yeah. Um, so I think that's good, but I think, you know, from a standpoint that can be really relatable is the fact that we're oftentimes not directly managing somebody, but we're mentoring somebody mm-hmm. or we're helping somebody with a project, and so there is an element of because the workforce can be so age diverse you may be in a situation where you're working with somebody who is not as tech savvy as you because they didn't grow up with tech like we did. Mm -hmm. And so while working with them on a project, you might have to show them how to do something that came a lot more naturally to you. Mm -hmm. And so I'm interested to kind of hear from you, Sarah, of how, what has been your experience in supporting individuals and how have you handled that and what do you feel like that dynamic has been like? I think that's a really good question because in marketing especially, we are so reliant upon technology and oftentimes new technologies. I find myself learning a new tool almost constantly, right? (laughs) And that is probably just where the workplace is now, especially being remote. We use a lot of tools, um, technology tools to help us function. Um, And in marketing especially, I mean, we rely on social media and all of these different things that we grew up with as millennials. It was very much a big part of our personal lives and has therefore become a tool for marketing. Makes sense. So I haven't worked with a lot of people from other generations, older generations, I would say for the most part, they've ended up being, you know, high enough managers that they aren't in the tactical side of of executing in a tool. I feel like they tend to let the more millennial age group manage those kinds of things. I've seen a lot of um, reliance on usually like the younger person on the team taking on social media. I think Mm -hmm. that that is partially because it's like relegated as like a like an assistant task where it's like, oh, social media is so easy, which can be an entirely different episode in and of itself. (laughs) Yes. But it's also a, oh, well, you grew up with this. You should know it. Right. Which Which isn't totally the case. Yeah. To that person. Right. Right. Which, like, speaking from that perspective and, and that 
what you said earlier about assuming someone that is going to like know a tool or maybe not know a tool based on their age. I'm honestly not that great with social media. I don't use it that much in my personal life. I understand it from a professional perspective, but you know, I mean, we are are already getting made fun of in our age group for not knowing TikTok, right? Yes. So <laughs> um, there are those assumptions and then gaps with all kinds of technology. So I've been surprised by people who are younger than me, who pick up certain technologies slower than I do. Um, and I try because that's the bias that I'm not as conscious of, I think. When it look when I look at older coworkers, I know going in that I'm like, okay, don't assume they don't know how to use Photoshop or that they're you're gonna have to basically be IT as their coworker and tell them to like restart their computer or whatever. Right, clear their cache. Right. Which is honestly what I get told all the time because I'll say, oh, it's not working. <laughs> Just clear your cache, Jess. Right. I I feel like I experience it more on the on the flip side. I expect that everyone younger than me or my age will be good with technology and sometimes they are not and mm-hmm. I have to then be patient with them on that level. I think that's a good point. I do feel like there is an element of I oftentimes am kind of looking upward of like how am I interacting with those who are older than me and in my current role I don't have a lot of people who are younger than me so I don't have that experience mm. but I think that's so valuable to also point out that we're still now going to be interacting with those who are younger than us thinking about how the expectation then is that oh these younger individuals entering the workforce are going to know how to do everything tech related and recognizing that that's not the case right and we haven't quite gotten to the point where the younger what gen z right i think so yeah Yeah. is in the tide pod eaters are in um yes (laughs) are in our workforce yet but i think that like we mentioned in the last episode we we lie you and i in the smack middle of being a millennial and i'm wondering just how you've experienced if you've experienced any interactions with younger millennials and if you've thought, oh, man, that's such a, like, millennial quality. Like, do you feel like you have any in- intergenerational bias? I think that probably is true. Because this it does become this then hierarchy of, oh, well, you know, I'm sure for those who are in the, like, older bracket of being a millennial are like, well, I'm not, like, a true millennial. Yeah. And we're, like, in that middle ground where now we're saying, oh, well, I'm not you know, on TikTok or something. I feel like we're slamming TikTok, but really it's just because it's blown up and it's everywhere. And, and we're jealous. I don't know how to use it. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm too scared to use it and put it out there. Um, yeah. So really this is just coming from a place of envy. But yeah, I absolutely think that there's a component of now looking at even just younger millennials and saying they or always on social media, they're dressing better than I ever did <laughs> when I was their age totally. than I do now. I mean, there's that whole element too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it does play out, but I think it's valuable having conversations like this 
to think about how are we projecting all of that feeling that we were having ourselves as far as how it was impacting how we were advocating for ourselves, asking for, you know, promotions and salary and things like that. Mm -hmm. How are we then just perpetuating that system and potentially making those in a co-worker, colleague space with us feel even younger than or even more out of place or further away from their goals and whatnot. Yeah, and I think, I mean, we absorbed the same negative connotations from the whole millennial complex. We all absorbed the same amount, or not the same amount, but the same kind of connotation, right? So the reason why being called a millennial hits negatively at home for us is because we have heard the same thing that other generations have heard about millennials, right? So I think that when... In my experience, when I deal with people who are a little bit younger than I do or than I am at work that are still millennials, and I think like, oh, my gosh, very entitled or like you're so young, you still have so much to like do before you can do whatever X. Mm -hmm. I try to then self-reflect and know that I am being influenced by the same media that has led to me being maybe prejudiced against and then try to then get to the core of what is actually happening. Like you said, am I thinking that they're too young because they are accomplishing things that I didn't accomplish at their age? Mm -hmm. So I I think it goes back to that quote, right? The NPR quote where it's like, it reveals more about the person slinging the word than it is who's being used against. Absolutely. I 100% agree. It's a lot more of a reflection on my own insecurities, or it's just maybe magnifying that imposter syndrome that I'm having in a particular situation or something like that. So I think that is a really important tip on being a millennial in the workplace, taking some time to self-reflect and evaluate how you're perpetuating and maybe furthering that stereotype in how you're treating others, or how are you projecting that onto individuals who are just a few years younger than you in a workplace setting where you're saying, oh, they're so inexperienced. They're so young. Well, they are. Yeah. But is that something that should be used against them? Or is that an opportunity to work alongside them, provide support, or, you know, figure out a way to get them to a place that they need to so that they can perform Exactly. Better? And like with any, I think, gut reaction with something like that, it it's worth digging into, okay, are they inexperienced or are they, are they incapable of doing what they're trying to do or are they just not as experienced as you would like them to be? And then digging into, you know, when it comes to like millennials are pushy. I've heard this comment actually really recently about a young woman And she, someone was like, oh, she's such a typical millennial. She won't take no for an answer. And to me, that really rang as sexist, to be honest. It reminded me of of the kind of like tone policing that we see with women often, where it's like, okay, if that had been a guy, would you have said that about her? And then digging into that, it's like, okay, is millennial being used as this guy's for sexism? And I think it's important to, when you have that gut reaction of like, oh, what a millennial or how entitled, those things that are like buzzwords that are put into our heads, I think it's good to deep dive into, okay, where is this coming from? Is this Mm -hmm. something that I'm, is this actually a bias that is deeper within myself? So yeah, I think that's a really good tip. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think there's anything else that we 
could share as far as from our own personal experience and observations of being a millennial in the workplace that would be helpful? You you kind of touched on this, but don't stop. Whenever I think that millennials get that kind of pushback comment a lot where we, we ask for promotions, we ask a lot of questions, we tend to be hole pokers, which as you all know, that is who I am at my <laughs> core. Um, I think we we kind of get smacked down a lot often when we are the voice of skepticism, um, when we ask too many questions. And I don't think that those are bad things. I think it just makes people uncomfortable. So I would say keep doing that. Keep opening up the promotion question and growth question if that's something you're interested in. I think that it you don't necessarily need to expect anything grandiose. I think you still need to be a realist when it comes to your experience and your capabilities, but wanting to be promoted, wanting a growth path, wanting to be recognized, which I know the participation trophy thing is a big millennial trope, but wanting to be valued and appreciated for something you've done is not out of the question. I think it's very reasonable. So I think it it's valuable to keep doing those those things and just be aware when you're you know, maybe called out for being a millennial, that you're still trying to find, like, something important. Something was coming from why you brought up that conversation, why you brought up that question. Absolutely. I think digging deeper into why somebody is, maybe it's, they use the term, like, oh, that was such a millennial thing to do, or maybe they're not calling you a millennial and they're talking about somebody else. I think asking questions of, like, well, where does that come from? Like, why do you feel like that's something that's assigned to a millennial? Like, where what's the meaning behind that? Because then you're also helping promote that self-reflection we were just talking about that not only we need to do in ourselves when we're kind of pushing this millennial conversation or bias in our own minds, but it's also creating space to make somebody stop and think. Um, I've had an individual before where that term was being like thrown around and they spoke up. I'm not always one that can think quickly on my feet and say the thing that I want to, but it was really cool seeing that individual speak up and say something because it was like, oh, <laughs> kind of gives you a moment to say, wow, okay, mm-hmm. that is possible. I, I could do that. Mm-hmm. And it was as simple of just being like, well, what does that have to do with being a millennial? What do you mean by that? Holding people to task. I mean... Yeah. And with practice, I think that becomes way more doable in the moment. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I think that was a really good conversation. I'm glad that this part two was able to come together of our conversation around being a millennial in the workplace. And I think that it'll be helpful to reflect back on what we just talked about. So thinking about what we learned from just even our conversation with each other around this, and even we can reach back to what was covered in episode four. I think one of the things that really stood out to me about this conversation is the quote that you started us off with, Sarah, around kind of looking at who's the individual assigning that label. That helped sort of inspire a a thread of thought for me around what does it mean when I myself am saying something about an individual 
who's maybe younger than me or older than me and like what am I projecting on them and what bias am I holding because of whether it's the fact that we're in the millennial group together and so using that connotation or just if they're from what a different generation qualification or naming or whatever it would be considered, am I looking at them and saying, oh, they're from an older generation, so they're not going to be tech savvy. I need to help them with that tech. Whereas I feel like you brought up a good point of, no, you don't necessarily have to approach it like that. They could be just fine and Mm -hmm. know how to do everything that they need to. And it's not necessarily fair to just assume that right off the bat. And approach it from more of, like, a human side, obviously. Yeah. And maybe even revisiting if the term millennial or any kind of generalization like that is even a useful term if you're using it, especially to bring somebody down or to remark on something negative. I think it might be worthwhile to even figure out if it's a useful comment in general and what you actually mean when you use it or when you're hearing it. For sure. Yeah. Is there anything else that you felt was an important takeaway or something that you learned from our conversations? Just that there's probably work that I need to do (laughs) on myself (laughs) internally with my own bias as a millennial um, on myself and just continuing to fight and grow and request value when I'm not getting it Um, and then having that reflect outward as well. For sure. Yeah. I agree wholeheartedly. Well, thank you for joining us for part two of Nobody Likes You When You're a Millennial. (laughs) Uh, We wanted to remind you that you can like and follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So don't forget to check us out. We're also on social media. Uh, We're on Instagram at LadyDatePod. We're also on Twitter Although we're still not super savvy with Twitter, so (laughs) Instagram gets a little bit more attention. Follow us there. And we started a Patreon. So go ahead and check that out. You can go to patreon.com slash ladydatepod and find out what we're doing on Patreon, how we're trying to build that out and create some really cool content and resources for you to be able to access. Great. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. See you next time. Bye.